Welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. So excited for today's show with Emily Heller. She comes on basically once a year to talk shoes. I love it. It's always one of my favorite episodes of the year. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go check out her YouTube channel, Run Like Heller, where some of the best shoe reviews on the internet. I love what she's doing over there. Also, she's a dedicated amateur runner just like you and me, and she's able to provide that kind of background and insight into all of her shoe reviews. She's also super funny. Always a joy to talk to her. So let's get into it with Emily Heller. All right, Emily Heller and what is turning out to be a yearly tradition yes. here on the Rambling Runner podcast. A shoe talk, shoe episode, Emmy Heller, start at the beginning of the year. This is fun. I, I've loved doing this every single time. Any chance that I can talk about running shoes, I will take it. So I am ready to go. And I should say, I was going to wear my run like Heller shirt. My uh, kids like it. They love the they love the they love the wordplay. Uh-huh. They know you, not from your videos, they know you from my shirt. Oh my god, that's funny. But I wore it two days ago, it was dirty. I did not uh, prepare accordingly for this podcast. Well, so I appreciate instead, the effort. The effort was there, and I appreciate you wearing it at all. That's good enough for me. Oh, well, that's great. I, I love that shirt. So <laughs> run like Heller. Got, I got to roll with it. Um, So I'm really excited because, and I was, I was just telling you my personal belief on this uh, before we got going, and I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts in terms of like running State of the Union before we start talking specific stuff, mm-hmm. is that I'm going to... I think I will look back on 2022 as a paradigm-shifting year in shoe technology. Now, that may be surprising to some people. Like, hey, listen, like, what about the what about the Vaporfly came out? What about, what about the Alphafly that came out? And those can be market-changing shoes. Of course. But I think this year, specifically, whole new genres were created. Okay. We also saw, like, carbon plates enter the trail world in a very sustainable and long-lasting way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things that are going on as well. And I just think that, like, this year works. There's going to be a before this year, and then there's going to be an after this year. When we look back on it five years removed. That's that's my take on, on what we saw in 2022. Yeah, and I think that you're pretty much right. Like, I was just telling you off um, camera slash podcast, I think this year we saw carbon fiber plated shoes or carbon fiber plates being used for things other than just running as fast as you can or marathon racing. Um, especially for, you know, we'll talk we'll, we'll get into it, but there are a couple different shoes that I think of where I'm just like, yeah, this kind of was a really, uh, shifting year for running shoe technology and the innovation was really there in 2022. Right. So you have like the plates being used in a variety of different ways, right. not just in terms of like, these will make you fast. Yes. And right? differently, like they're not just the run of the mill carbon plate that looks the same as it does in every shoe. You know, that kind of like slanting, sloping looking carbon fiber plate you see in all different racing shoes out there. Now, companies like New Balance, they've figured out different ways to create the carbon plate or kind of configure it so that it works better for daily training and that sort of thing. And that is, I think, what's going to really move the market forward and get more runners into running shoes that maybe weren't running in the past or were just running in basic trainers. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to say a couple couple topics that I think 
kind of fall into this zone. I don't think it's a complete list. We'll probably come up with more as we're talking, and you probably have some thoughts on your own on this as well. We have, like, just the plate technology changing. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, people before, there was, like, a carbon plate is X. Right now, it's, like, there's differentiation. Now, all of a sudden, we're learning, like, names mm-hmm. of different kinds of plates. Like, oh, this is a Carbitex plate. Like, now we have things like that popping up mm-hmm. in the genre, which maybe doesn't hit, like, the masses, but with terms people talk about shoes, all of a sudden... There's differentiation in all sorts of ways with plates. Related in some ways, but not others, is the super max stack genre. We're going to have to come up with a new name. But anyway, there was max. Now there's something bigger. Max plus, super max, whatever. There's that. There's, I think, the Saucony Tempest, um, and we'll dive into this later, created this whole new what is stability, what are stability shoes going to look like? And I think we've now, I think think we're post- we're post the medial post era, I guess. Is, I think, I think is so. what in a lot it. of ways, I think so. I think there's still space for that and runners mm-hmm. who are loyal to that and it works for them. But I think for people who are looking to kind of dip their toe into stability and don't necessarily want, you know, the posting, now they have a plethora of different shoes that they can kind of try that are similar to neutral but give you a little more stability obviously for sure and i think the last thing and this has been kind of been happening but i think we're really seeing it now especially with there's a bunch of examples but i'll just say like the alpha fly 2 would mm-hmm. be an example of the com- the complete evisceration of lighter is faster yeah. and i think for some people that could they might still tend they would still like lighter shoes just as a preference but in the past right. there was kind of like not always but this very like one to one ratio of like lightness is speed in yeah. some degree or another. Now with the super foams and the plates and the variety of things, all of a sudden there's just like an ROI with the kind of materials people put in, mm-hmm. right? You're seeing like even the Prime X strong or the oh, Prime yeah. X3, whatever. You have like this situation where just because something weighs more does not mean it's not the fastest shoe on the market. And before that was a disqualifier. Yeah. And I think some people still are kind of in that mindset, but um there are so many shoes out there that are a little like tip tip the scale a little bit, but do it in a way that you don't even feel that it is a heavier shoe. Um, yeah, so I, I think that that kind of mindset of well, I need the lightest shoe on the market. That's what's going to help me get to the finish line with a PR. It's kind of outdated. It's becoming a little archaic, in my opinion. All right, let's talk about, let's go start with the plates. Right? We kind of started diving into it at first. And we'll think about this. Let's just start, talk about it with like, I guess just your evolution of how you have used plates as a runner, not sure. specifically as someone who reviews shoes and your YouTube channel is one of the best when it comes to, to running shoe reviews, not only because you're really good at it, but also because I think you're someone who is a similar speed Mm-hmm. As most of the people who are watching your reviews, which yeah. I think that can also play a part in terms of how people view these reviews, yeah. is um, just how your evolution has come with how you have used plates in the past and your likes and dislikes with them before we talk about the revolution that we saw this year. Yeah. Um, so when I first started using plates, it was with the OG Nike uh, next percent. What was it? Four <laughs> percent. The Nike four percent. You remember that show? Yeah, Vaporfly four percent with like the knit. The knit. Yeah. Well, I didn't even have the knit. I had the mesh one. That's got, it. Okay. Yeah. And I small anecdote before I I don't want to rant too much, but I worked an overnight shift 
in, I think it was like 2017, I had worked the overnight shift and you couldn't get that shoe anywhere. And I waited from 7 a.m. till like 10 a.m. in the city when the Nike store opened to get that shoe. Oh my God. <laughs> so it was, we were, me and my best friend, we both got it. We were so excited about it, but that was like the thing. And what I used it for- And I, that was pre-StockX. This was before the secondary oh, market. Yeah, this was just, yeah. like, this was this just was to wear like, it. Yeah, this was like, I- I really went above and beyond to get that shoe. And I still have it just because of the story. <laughs> but um, when I got the shoe, I, all that I used it for was going as fast as I possibly could and just seeing how much faster the carbon plate would make me. And it, I used it for just racing, pretty much, 5Ks, stuff like that. And um, that is kind of how I used carbon plated shoes for a really long time. Like I wasn't using them in my daily training so much, but I think once I started getting shoes like uh, the Endorphin Pro, like maybe the original Endorphin Pro, I started to incorporate those a bit into like tempo runs and workouts here and there. Um, so it wasn't just racing at that point. And my, my running was sort of evolving too. Uh, and that's when I started having a YouTube channel. So I was trying to put more miles into the shoes. Um, but I stopped looking at it kind of as like a tool just for racing and PRing and being as fast as you possibly can be. And now uh, I use... I used a carbon plated shoe, although not like your run of the mill carbon plated shoe for the majority of my marathon training and my marathon for uh, 2022. So it really went from just like 5Ks, just totally belting it as fast as I could to incorporating and using it more and quite a bit in just standard everyday use. Yeah, and I think part of that is also like the reason for the plate in mm -hmm. the shoe. Right. Yeah. So like the shoes that you described right yeah. at the top, the, the first Vaporfly, the 4%, even the Endorphin Pro 1 and 2, the idea was like, this is made for speed. Yes. Period. It's right? made this for is like, yeah. this is it's, it's stiff. It's a lever. It's going to propel you forward. Mm -hmm. And depending on how fast you run, it may or may not work with your foot strike. And it might give you... Yeah, there's plenty of people who got injured wearing them. Not like yeah, I mean, didn't break their leg or anything. It was like, not stable. My feet, like in pictures of me, like, you know, those terrible racing photos that you get at every local race that you do. My feet are, <laughs> I mean, caved in. Like they're so unstable, those shoes. It was like ridiculous. The endorphin speed actually like sprained my medial uh, ligament on my left yeah. ankle running a 10K. Yeah, I just I, would, I did a 10k time trial during COVID in them, and right. I couldn't walk for a week. I thought I like I broke my foot. I was like, oh, I, was like I was running, a, I was running straight. I was on a bike path. I didn't took no turns. Horrible. <laughs> Ugh. But so you had that that era of like, all right, these are stiff mm -hmm. and they're fast. Then Dwarfin Speed came out. Yep. Which the idea was okay. This is a nylon plate, a little bit more daily training, a yeah. little bit less hardcore. Yeah. Then the then the the carbon fiber plate. Right. And then that's when like we saw like some basically the, the the shoes weren't inherently different. It was like all right, these are just a little bit more flexible. Right. Right. And yeah. now and this kind of dovetails, and we can kind of go back and forth here with this maximal category or mm. super max category. Mm. Is all of a sudden the plates? Not that they aren't still like levers that can help you go fast, but they also. Before they were like anti-stability. Now they yeah. like 
our pro-stability. So can you yeah. talk to us about this metamorphosis, especially coming from someone who before, as you mentioned like 10 seconds ago, like mm-hmm. carbon fiber shoes were like like the death knell for your overpronation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting how, I'm not sure how they did it. I'm not exact, I'm not great on like the technical aspect of how they're all constructed, but from my point of view, just running in them, I think that these brands have realized that if they want more people to wear their carbon fiber plated shoes, then they need to be more accessible and they can't just be for people who are at the front of the pack who have perfect running strides, which is pretty much like the one, 1% of the running population. And those people are getting shoes for free. So they're not even, they're not even buying. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, there's plenty of people, me included, who don't have perfect running strides who were still running in these shoes, but it just wasn't comfortable. So I think that, um, they thought of two things. They have to put more cushion. And at the time, I mean, that 4% had, I thought had lots of cushion. But now looking, now if I put it on, I probably think it felt like, you know, a rock on my foot. It was like a 3425, which now is like below Daily Trainer. Yeah, exactly. But at the time I was like, wow, look at all this cushion. But I mean, I think now in 2022, they realized, okay, we need to get a little more cushion under people's feet here. And we need to configure these carbon plates so that they are a little bit more stable and accessible, like I said, for regular runners. Like I think in a shoe, I will stay away from talking about the super comp trainer the entire time that we're talking, (laughs) but so we'll save that for later. But a, a shoe that really has morphed into something that I think all runners can really enjoy is like the Endorphin Pro 3. That started out as a really aggressive shoe, a great shoe. I enjoyed it a heck of a lot when it first came out. It was like shoe of the year for like half the people I saw review shoes that year. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, it was a fantastic shoe and that really gave you another option of true competitor to the Nike shoes that had the plates at the time. Um, But again, looking back, it's still a really aggressive shoe. And then you had the Endorphin Pro 2 that came out and that was better, still aggressive. And I think the three is exactly where it needs to be. It feels softer somehow. It feels more stable somehow. I think they must've widened the forefoot, changed some kind of configuration to the plate to make it feel less uncomfortable to take on longer distance runs. I mean, I ran lots of tempo runs in that shoe for marathon training. And I've only run one race in that shoe. So it just goes to show you like how people are able to use them now as opposed to in the past. Right. No, absolutely. And and with these higher I think the, the key thing here for a lot of people is like there's twofold, right? Because you have oh, right. higher stack, yeah. The you have the higher stack mm-hmm. with the like the, the evolution, especially in the forefoot. Mm-hmm. Right. All of a sudden there was I remember, I think it was like was it it was the Alpha Fly or the Metaspeed um, Sky were the first super shoes that had a plus 30 or plus 32 forefoot step. Yeah, it was right? one of them. I can't remember exactly which. Yeah, they came out roughly the same time. But anyway, because before it was like they were raising the stack, but it was mostly in the heel, yes. which for some people was great. Yes. But it was like the, still the forefoot was like a 26 or a 25. Mm-hmm. Which isn't low stack height. We're talking millimeters, people. We're talking, let's say, 35 millimeters in the yeah. heel, 25 millimeters in, 25 millimeters in the forefoot. Mm-hmm. And, but for like a forefoot striker with a carbon plate in there, so that was there. aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a lot, it was a lot from a pounding perspective. Oh, you sure. know, especially if the plate was really close to the ground, mm-hmm. which was like, for me, was my issue with like the Med Speed Sky 1. Mm hmm. 
was like my foot would fall asleep after an hour and a half in that shoe. Yeah. Because I was a four foot striker and I wasn't running fast enough to fully right, engage to really the plate. Engage it. So it was like I was still was funny because I'd still be running pretty fast, but I'm like my foot's asleep. This is yeah. so weird. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's another thing I didn't say before, but yeah, they're putting as much cushion as they can into the forefoots of these shoes. I mean, illegal amounts of cushion, in fact. Like, they're tipping the scale left and right. And I think it's a great thing. I mean, I welcome 40 millimeters, 47 millimeters, 45. I, I, I love it all. Right, right. And I think that is where, I think, and this is where some people get confused, especially if they just see, like, hey, like the SC Comp Trainer, right? Mm -hmm. This is a great example of this. We're going to see these shoes all over the place this year. But even for some people, the Prime X, and the yeah. Prime X2, Prime X Strong would fall in this category as well, is that the plate is there from, a, when you say, why is this, what does this mean from a stability perspective? It doesn't come up yeah. to the side of the shoe. It's not like a sidewall. Right. How is this right. more stable? It's because like, hey, like imagine like all you had underneath your foot was memory foam. Mm -hmm. you, it would be inherently unstable. It would be terrible. The, the plate basically creates like two layers well it doesn't basically it does create two layers of foam so that it doesn't decompress so much where your ankles after three miles are like crying uncle because yeah. they've like had to like stabilize you the whole time i mean it's yeah exactly and it speaks volumes that somebody like me who overpronates was able to wear the super comp trainer for an entire marathon and my ankles felt good as new my feet didn't feel bad at all and you and had pf issues well, exactly. And the best part about it is, and I don't want to speak for everyone and say that this is the case for everyone who wears the SC trainer, but in the beginning of my marathon training, when I was not wearing the SC trainer, I was having a lot of like PF problems. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to have to do to <laughs> alleviate this. But the second I put the super comp trainer on of all shoes, it has a high, ridiculous amount of stack and a plate. It, I didn't have any issues after that. So it, right. I don't know. And what it's super duper that. soft. Yeah. So it's like, all right, it has all the things that like in, you're like, you make a checklist of things. Yeah. Like, what are the things that I can't have? Yeah. And I'm going to wear all of them. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's just like, that's totally my MO. Like I, I really just love a challenge. I love to. It's I like love your Frankenstein's it. monster became your best friend. Yeah, like, exactly. who, who knew? Who would have guessed? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It was crazy, but. I think it's just the way that, I mean, that's a different shoe because they have a different kind of plate in it, but they are trying to find ways to really max out the stack, but also utilize the plate, not only to make you faster, but to make running in that amount of stack height runnable because it very well could not be runnable without some kind of structure in sandwiched in between those layers of midsole foam. Right, because you need that that push and pull of like, all right, if we're going to go super soft on the foam, yes. we need some sort of stabilizing element here Yeah, if it's going to be a certain height to kind of counteract this. And we kind of saw this with like the Nike Invincible as mm -hmm. a shoe that like, all right, if you're just going to have super light foam, what are you going to do? Their, their answer to it at first seemed to basically be like, we'll just throw like a ton of rubber on the ground, on the bottom yeah. to try to like kind of encase it somehow yeah. right and it's and some people really like that shoe that does, shoe did not work for me um but you know i think ultimately this is such a it's an interesting development but also it kind of lends itself too in terms of like we're now seeing such wide differentiation in what plates are shaped like and where they fall in the foam these are yeah. things that we never had these conversations two years ago no just not at all right it was just 
a, the same plate in every shoe and it was in the same place in every shoe. Right. Um, right. And, and then like a great example of this is like what ASICs did with the Metaspeed Sky mm -hmm. and Metaspeed Sky Plus, where they basically, the, the Metaspeed Sky, as I detailed earlier, basically it dipped down and it was like one millimeter of, yeah. like, of foam between the plate right. and the outsole rubber. So you, as soon as you hit the ground, you basically were hitting the plate. Whereas now you have a considerable, you know, not considerable, but like a, a tangible amount of foam mm -hmm. beneath the plate in the forefoot, allowing a forefoot striker to have a much more pleasurable feeling underfoot, yeah. especially if they're going to go more than an hour and a half. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's a good thing. I am a fan of a lower sitting plate in the foam because I want to feel foam. I don't want to feel aggressive carbon fiber plate for long runs. Um, so I've liked that change. And yeah. And, you're, and we should say you're a heel striker. So the, that's when yeah. you say that you're talking about like in the back of the shoe. Yeah, like in the back of the shoe, but also when my foot rolls forward, I do enjoy mm -hmm. feeling like more foam under my foot rather than that plate feel. And I know that not everybody feels that way. Like there's a lot of people who like the aggressiveness of that carbon plate, but I just like, I would prefer to feel foam, especially for longer distances. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just like the the um the shape right mm -hmm. we have certain plates that like almost looks like a um like a five finger shoe in a sense not a five finger shoe almost yeah. like a mitten you feel like yeah. these these certain plates look like a mitten they have like the big toe kind of sticking out yes. and then it, like it cuts down and then it has like which a loop shoe around. is that again i can't remember what shoe I think puma I had it puma is it puma yeah is i remember puma deviate elite i think puma deviate and puma deviate elite both had it that way yeah i think it's different for the t i think it's different for the I TV Elite 2, which the women is out, the men's is not mm -hmm. in America. Okay. I think it's a little different this year. And then, I was, and then the Hoka Tecton X, I don't know if that's a shoe that you have. I do um, have it. I never reviewed it. I did put it in a video. I don't do a lot of trail running, but I do have that shoe. And for the trail running that I did do, I loved it. I thought that was an amazing shoe. And it doesn't feel, again, aggressive. It feels like a really efficient rolling forward sensation on a solid trainer of a shoe. Is that how it's supposed to be utilized? I'm not sure, but that's how I used it. Yeah, I love that shoe. I did mm -hmm. a two-hour trail run in it yesterday, mm -hmm. and I did not feel discomfort or wow. pain, and nor did I feel unstable. Like, it wasn't like, oh, man, this shoe is going fast. Like, I was on a pretty technical route. Yeah. And it, I never felt like, all right, if I wear this shoe, it's going to spring me forward in a way that I'm not comfortable going down this hill on or things right. like that. Kind of the way people talk about the... Saucony Endorphin Edge, where they're kind of like, this shoe's great, but just make sure you're using it on the right trails. Yeah. Um, where for me, it was like, hey, I could wear this anywhere. Yeah, it's a super accessible shoe. And I think that shoe is also good for running on the, like, it's not meant for running on the roads, but I feel like maybe like Robbie from Believe in the Run used it on the roads at some point or something, but it's a great shoe again, and it doesn't feel aggressive. And to talk about, you know, the, the shapes of the plates, there's like the other shapes that I can think of too are like the Skechers uses like an H plate mm -hmm. technology that they've used in their daily trainers and in their max cushion shoes, which is great. Like the Max Road 4, I think it was, that I tried this maybe last year. Max Road year. 5. Max Road 5. Okay, yeah. Um, that shoe had an H plate and I know that's kind of like the technology that they use. And then also, again, like New Balance using this energy arc, which is basically like the plate is configured kind of like an arc. And then once you compress into it, it flattens out and kind of springs back, which makes it 
perfect for daily training and all different kinds of speeds and skill levels. So if you can't tell, I, I'm basically like a fangirl of that shoe, and it's like... <laughs> well, it was, it was, you know, go, re, go watch her top five shoes of the year. You can probably guess which one was her favorite. Yeah, I know. At this I'm point, like but, it for all the people. everyone who watches your channel already knew which one was your favorite. Yeah, I know, that's true. Um, but you know, we, should, we should say, people who don't, um, you know, if people who aren't watching this, when she says the arc, she means from like the medial to the lateral side, yes. like yeah. it bows that way, not from the front to the back, which right. it also does, but also from the side to side, which yes. when you press down, then creates that springing effect, which mm -hmm. before, which I think most of them were usually flat, if not kind of concave in a way. Oh yeah, totally concave. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like right. a little, kind of like a spoon almost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great visual. Yeah. So let's talk about Max shoes that aren't necessarily plated or maybe plated in a way that aren't the traditional ways. Even, you know, obviously the Supercom trainer falls in that as well. But obviously I'm talking about the Asics Super Blast. We're going to see a lot mm -hmm. more of these, um, especially with these dual density foams that yes. Hoka was really kind of like the, not the first, but kind of like really strong proponent of. Yes. Especially with the Hoka Mach 4 um, that really put it out there. And then you're seeing it you kind of you know, go far and wide here, basically as a way of having a, a, a more, I guess, a firmer foam. Sure. And then a softer foam. Not necessarily in any specific order, because we've seen both. We've seen oh, the softer yeah. foam on the bottom, and we've also seen the softer foam on top. But these kind of lend itself to um, some really interesting configurations. Yeah, well, I feel like in the beginning of 2022, uh, we started to see companies putting a little bit of their super shoe premium advanced foams in daily trainers, just a little bit here and there. But the majority of the shoe would be like the standard EVA that they had been using in their daily trainers. But fast forward to the end of 2022 and shoes like the Super Blast that you mentioned are just like the coolest thing. I mean, I think that is like the coolest shoe because you get a you get so much flight foam uh, flight foam blast turbo in that shoe. And then so you are able to experience what it feels like, which is something I always wonder, what it feels like to run in these super shoe foams without the plate, which is a huge thing and not something that anybody was able to experience for quite a bit of time. And But they're not always the best by themselves. Like they need a little bit to kind of counteract their problems that they might have that maybe a carbon fiber plate in the racing shoe fixes. So under that, if for people who aren't familiar with the Super Blast, you have like the premium Super Shoe foam on top, tons of it. And then under it, you have the Flight, the Flight Foam Blast Plus. That is a tongue twister, by the way. <laughs> Flight Foam Blast Plus um, to make it a little bit more of, I would say, a forgiving ride. I would say the Flight Foam Blast Turbo probably feels a little stiff without some help from that and gives it a little bit more stability. But... That is a really good example of a premium daily trainer. The price tag is yeah, happy, we'll get, but we'll get, we'll, get to, we'll get to the price tag. Yeah. And again, you know, and there's I want to come up with the metric of like mm -hmm. ROI, mm -hmm. basically for like the high for like for you know like excellent miles in a shoe. 
Yeah. What's the price per excellent miles of the shoe? Basically make that like a metric, right? Yeah. Because like, hey, there's some shoes like, hey, this shoe only costs 120 bucks. It's like, yeah, after 100 miles, have fun, man. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's exactly. like, well, so is that an inexpensive shoe? It doesn't feel like it, right. you know, right. um, where you can have something that's the opposite, which is kind of what you're describing. Hmm. And it's this is, I feel like with ASICs, this is a great utilization of like understanding what they had. Yes. Because the Flight Foam Blast Turbo Mm-hmm. The foam that they use in their super shoes. If you compare it to the foams of the other brands that have super shoes, it is easily like the firmest of sure. them. It's incredibly bouncy. It's incredibly fast. But if you've ever put on Asics shoe, you know what I'm talking about. It's a really hard foam to describe. I have yeah. watched every shoe review on <laughs> Asics running shoes, and no one can come up with the right or the right phrasing. No. Right? They're like, it feels like cardboard, which it does. It's also super bouncy. But those seem like a contradiction in terms. Like yeah. it's kind of like this and it's kind of like that. But it's ultimately is a very firm foam where a lot of some of these are the exact opposite. So I love the fact that they went this because you couldn't do this with fuel cell from New Balance. Yeah. You can never take fuel cell and then put a softer foam under the fuel cell mm, yeah. and be like, here's your super max like, shoe. Because people would yeah, people would fall I... off the street. Yeah. Wearing that shoe. <laughs> yeah, they would. It's not, yeah. I, Asics really has a great understanding of their product, which I always love about Asics. And I think with, like you're saying, the, the turbo foam is very stiff. It is, it could be unforgiving, you know, to right. be It has honest. to be broken in. Everyone who wears yeah. it says the same thing. Like, you better put 50 miles on this shoe. Right, exactly. Um, so I think the Blast Plus under it was like the perfect thing that they could do. Um, and that shoe is good for all different types of runners, all different types of runs. And it just opens up this like whole new world of running shoes and possibilities and things you can do with a shoe that has that super shoe foam in it. Yeah, absolutely. And we should say, so basically I think it's 47 in the heel, 35 in the forefoot for men's size nine. We say men's size nine because obviously the bigger or smaller the shoe the higher or lower the stack heights will be because yes. obviously they will, you know, these things go in relation to each other. Yes. Um, so that's a huge shoot. Put that in perspective. People say, well, what's thir- so 37, the forefoot, what does that mean? That means that the forefoot is higher than probably your shoe's heel is mm-hmm. that you're wearing on your run today. Yeah. Okay? And it's, so it's three a- millimeters below illegal, the forefoot, right? Cause it's 40 millimeters is right. the, like right. tipping point of the legal limit. Right. And we just say illegal for elites to yes. earn money at Correct. races. Not illegal for people like me. <laughs> everyone listening to this is fine. Yes. You're everyone fine. listening to this is fine. That's a big misconception too. Like just not to go off on a tangent, but a lot of people, when I wore the super comp for the marathon and whatever, they were like, well, why can't you can't wear that? It's illegal. And I'm like, I am not placing in any kind of category with this on. And even if you did, it would be so worth it. Just yeah. for the Oh, fun. hell yeah. Like, totally. So, but anyways, yes. Sorry. I <laughs> swear the guy who got disqualified for wearing the Prime X a year and a half ago mm-hmm. at the marathon, I forget which marathon it was. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, that was a PR move. There was oh, no yeah. way him and his team did it. Like, he was an Adidas athlete. There's no way they weren't all very aware of what was happening. They're kind of like, hey. If he wins, he wins. Yeah. We'll reimburse you the money. Exactly. This is worth the PR. Yeah, because it gets everybody turning their heads. That's a really smart thought that theory that you have there. I think you're right. I got to be honest. It wasn't my, I, I can't, 
I wish I could say who I heard it from because it was a long time ago, but it yeah. wasn't my first. I didn't come up with it, but as soon as I heard someone else say it, I'm like, there it is. Yeah. Because like everyone else was like, how does this happen? No. It's like, it happens by choice. That's right. Exactly. Uh, um, so, you know, so this is such an interesting thing because I'm trying to, like, you love that shoe. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone I've seen who review the shoe loves it. I think for Seth James Moore, who seems to be on a streak of like, I hate every shoe since coming back from injury. Oh, no. Uh, so, <laughs> the poor guy. But um, again, I love his channel too. It's oh, just yeah, like, definitely. it's interesting. It was like, you gave the Kinvara an 8.0 and you gave this one a 6.2. I don't really see it. But <laughs> anyway, um, everyone seems to love this shoe, which is really exciting. And also like, it seems to be the kind of shoe, like you mentioned, like people are wearing it for all sorts of things. Kapuzi mm-hmm. wore it in a marathon. Yeah. People are wearing it for 5Ks. Other people are like, this is my easy run shoe. Oh, yeah. And it's such a unique thing because you would think that a lot of shoes can do something, but oftentimes you don't have people's preferences being right. so far afield from each other. Yeah. I I also think that it's a way, it's kind of a marketing way for ASICs to make people who are not like really elite feel comfortable wearing premium shoes. There's some kind of stigma I feel. I mean, I see it on my channel sometimes where people will be like, well, I'm not fast enough to wear that shoe or I'm not fast enough to like try this. And we talked about that last time you were on this show, we were like 20 minutes on that. And you were like, everybody, these are for everybody. If anything, they help out the slower runners even more because the percent difference is greater. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I gave you 4% of a dollar and then I give you 4% of $10,000, which one would you rather have? Right. <laughs> well, totally. So I think it also helps people feel like, you know, more comfortable, more accepted in uh, more like one of the crowd. Like, hey, maybe like the Metaspeed Sky doesn't really work for me, but this Super Blast shoe, this I can get behind. Like this I dig. Uh, so I think that alone, just making the, it just creates a bigger running shoe community. And that's always a positive for me. I love that because I've been the situation where firmer plates just don't work well for me. Yeah. I'm a four foot striker who doesn't run that fast, which means that for a firm plate, I have to really, really run fast to engage it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't run that fast for a marathon. So mm-hmm. I, so I don't engage it. So right. like I have a friend of mine who runs the same speed as me, but he's a heel striker. He loves the meta speed sky the mm-hmm. way it was because right. he just rolls right through it. Um, I guess unlike your preference, like he's totally fine with it being close to the ground in the front. Mm-hmm. He just rolls right over it. And I like, I, as I described, I have a hard time with that. Whereas the New Balance RC Elite 2, for me, I have the same feeling about it as you have for the A6 Super Blast. Like I can wear this for everything. Yeah. It's super soft. It's pretty flexible for a carbon fiber plate. It's probably closer to the Endorphin Speed 1 or 2. Endorphin Speed 3 is even more flexible than the first two. Mm-hmm. But it had like the Endorphin Speed. I have the Endorphin Speed 1 in my closet and it for me at this point i've favored 500 miles in the rc elite too they are the same flexibility at this point yeah and for me that worked great so like i look at the asic super blast i'm like all of a sudden this is perfect potentially for me because i don't have to worry about this harsh plate but i can also get the super foam experience which is such a hard thing to come by yeah and i think it's also something that people really want like, I know I really want a shoe that has the super shoe foam that is not a super shoe. <laughs> that's, know, not, I, that's not the Nike Invincible. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. that I loved that shoe. I love the way it felt. But that shoe did not like my running stride. And I don't think it liked a lot of people's running strides. But it felt No, good. not mine either. Yeah. That, that one had, the, for me, the butt was just too big. 
I just oh, yeah, yeah. I can as, as a four for striker, I was like, I'm I'm landing on my heel just by accident here. Yeah. And my, <laughs> my body knew it. Yeah. No, it was it was great for what it was. It was a I would think it was a revolutionary shoe in in a lot of ways, but I think, you know, looking at something like the Super Blast, that's much better crafted and tailored and with a much better understanding of the kind of runners who want to wear a shoe like that. Um, so yeah, I think that it just, I've always wanted to try shoes that don't have the plate that have the special foam and it's, it's everything that I could have asked for. There's really not much about that shoe that I don't like. I wouldn't always reach for it to do like really fast work. Not that I'm like doing anything really fast right now, but I think if I was doing like tempo runs and mile repeats, it wouldn't be my first choice, but it wouldn't be my last choice. You could absolutely do that. So if you want one shoe, there you go. Like that's kind of, that can be your, your, your main, your main piece there. Yeah. And this is something that's been, this wasn't my initial list of things to discuss, but mm -hmm. this is just as important is the evolution of the durability of these super shoes. Not yeah. every one of them. However, like, the, you know, when these shoes first came out, like the, the Nike ones, again, th it was a revolutionary shoe. This is not, not going to, you're not going to have every shoe perfect ever. Of course. But it, it was great, but everyone knew, like, you hit the 100 mile mark in this shoe. You're done. You're, you're going to get a worse shoe mm -hmm. after that. Of course. Whereas, like, I lower thing like the Saucony Dwarfen Pro 3. I have it. I wore it for a marathon. Again, that's a super stiff shoe, which kind of contradicts what I said earlier, but it has so much forefoot stack with yeah. such bouncy foam that I was able to get the bounce of this shoe without engaging the plate. Of course. Which was, which was great for me. But that shoe, is that, that shoe can go on forever. Honestly, yeah. it will go on forever. The foam is super, super durable, mm -hmm. and the rubber on the outside is enough where it's going to last easily to 250 miles, and I can't yeah. imagine there to be any serious degradation of the product to the point now where I look at these shoes and I don't view it as like, oh, I, I have this for one marathon cycle. Like, I'm still running the RC Elite 2. I wore it two days ago. Yeah. And I loved it. I still love it. I've had it for over a year and a half, and I've worn it every week in that year and a half. Yeah. And it's been a fantastic part of my running shoe um, rotation. And that that's a, a completely unique experience to where we were two years ago. Yeah, well, I think it also... It has evolved because I think the companies are seeing that people are not just using them for racing alone. So they realized, hey, we got to make a more durable shoe because people are not just using this for their 5Ks and their marathons and their 10Ks, what have you. Like They are using these for daily training also. So if we don't want a bunch of really pissed runners, we're going to have to do a little bit better here with the configuration of the foam and the kind of outsole that we're using. Yeah, let's take about let's talk about those foams because, and and just, just the whole the whole configuration now because like we were talking about before, before, you know, there was this idea and understandably so, like if all the shoes are going to have roughly the same technology, then the fastest shoe will be the latest shoe, yeah, by definition, right? Yeah. Now the technologies are a little different, and you know, in shoes of even three years ago, there was no such thing as bounce. Like sometimes they would use that in the marketing materials, but no shoes bounced. Yeah, right? and agree. now. I feel like you can find shoes of any genre that could potentially have that descriptor used for them aptly. I think for me, the first shoe that I had that fit that description was the first Nova Blast, which was like, this is yeah. a completely unique experience. But it was so bouncy that I actually had to 
and people who've listened to the show know this, I almost shelved it after like 20 miles. Right. I had to break it in to, to deaden the bounce. Like, I think I, I remember it more you saying at, that, yeah. I remember I liked it more after 50 miles than I liked it before, which is the exact opposite experience I had with the Nova Blast 2. Um, where it's like, I feel like the more I broke it in, the bouncier it got. Right. Yes. But it was like, that was the first experience I had with that. And that was unquestionably a daily trainer. That was not a race yeah. shoe in any way, shape, or form. And I think that that ushered in this new era of like, all right, what's the ROI on this foam mm-hmm. or this shoe in terms of the propulsiveness matched against the weight? Yeah. Right. And I think the Alpha Fly was a great experience of this. It's like, hey, all of a sudden it's in the eight or the 8.7 ounces from in size nine. Whereas like the the its competitors were in the high sixes, but the competitors weren't faster. Yeah, I think um, Nova Blast one game changer of a shoe, <laughs> for sure. But it's so interesting to me that you talk about the fact that so many shoes can be considered bouncy nowadays because. I feel like in all of my videos, I all I ever talk about is the shoe being responsive and bouncy and energetic. And it's like, how many times can you say the same thing about every shoe? <laughs> but I think it just goes to show that um, they are these companies are learning that they need to have shoes that have more energy return that are not just in their racing shoes. Um, so you see lots of foams out now, like flight foam blast plus and you see uh pro fly plus from hoka and i'm sure there's others that i can't think of off the top of my head hyperburst some hyperburst foams and like the max road five um that have that energy return that i think they don't need that they don't need a carbon plate to kind of get that job done yeah absolutely and we talked about dual density before yes with this with the the um asic super blast and in a very different way, but with the same kind of technology, Saucony Tempest was released this year, which mm-hmm. was a revolutionary shoe from a stability perspective, yeah, really right? Cool. And you've, you're someone who has worn her, her fair share of stability shoes. You're kind of like, seems like, please correct me if I'm wrong, seems like you can kind of vacillate between stability or neutral, and yeah. you can kind of be, b- both could work. So you're a great person right. to talk to about this, whereas like the Tempest was marketed as a stability shoe. It's my favorite daily trainer. Really? And I do not wear stability shoes. It's my favorite one. It's super Mm. bouncy. It's incredibly light. It Mm. has a high stack. Saucony's are always a little roomy for me in the toes. I have very narrow toe um, area, but it's it's good enough in the forefoot for me. And I just love that shoe. I can run it at any pace. I I look at that shoe. I'm like, oh my God, if people with stability issues can wear this shoe, yeah. And I can absolutely love this shoe. Like, <laughs> this is a complete game changer from, like, even within Saucony's own brand of, like, the Guide series, which, like, I bought my wife a pair of those, and, God, she hated them immediately. <laughs> and, like, and then, like, every other, you know, stability yeah. shoe out there with, it like, a cement a post fan. underneath the arch. I wasn't a big fan of the Guide uh, 15. It was okay. But talking about something like the Tempest, every stability shoe I have ever tried, I have always been, like, why can't they just put some fun foam in this somehow? Like you, there, there's gotta be a way in 2022 or even in 2021 to do this. So when the Tempest came out, I was really excited because this is everything that I had been asking for. And I feel like it, I, I wouldn't say it, it's my favorite shoe. It's, it's, it's a good shoe. It's a really good opening of the door into 
making stability shoes not boring. <laughs> and I think that it has this mix of being fun, having a fun foam, but also being able to be stable for those who need it. Now, the one thing I will say about the Tempest that I think is that people who need real, true stability, who have real serious stability problems, I don't know if it is stable enough that it'll work for those people. Like they, the, those runners might be better off with posting of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the case for a lot of these stability shoes that use like the platform to create stability rather than like actual posting and technology with that kind of stuff. Um, but for what it is, I think the Tempest kicked down a lot of barriers that the stability shoe community had without a doubt. Right. And even if you're someone who needs more stability, all of a sudden you had a racer. You're like, mm -hmm. okay. Yes. I could, for 95% of my miles, I need the, the Asics Kayano 27. Yes. Right. Or whatever. Exactly. However, it's race day. I don't want to wear that shoe. And it's okay if I have something a little less stable on race yeah. day, but not inherently unstable. And all of a sudden, this is my half marathon shoe, maybe even my marathon shoe, certainly a 5K or 10K yeah. shoe for you someone have, who's doing it. You hit that. it right on the mark. That's exactly right. Now, now those people who had to wear the boring posting shoe in their 5Ks, 10Ks, halves, marathons, whatever the case, like now they have something. And that is so cool. Like it, they just, there's so much great technology in 2022 that just the big word that I can think of is just accessibility. <laughs> like that is the theme in my opinion. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Cause all, all these are becoming more accessible. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, unless you're, unless you're someone who really appreciates the ground feel experience, <laughs> yeah. then you're, you're probably trending in the wrong direction. <laughs> I don't course, know. Many. There'll be a lot of shoes you can buy at uh, at Play It Again Sports or whatever yeah. used shoe outlet you can find. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it's it's been a really great year for that. So, are there certain shoes either in your queue because you know they're coming, or mm. you just been following like the running event from last month, and you've we've all seen kind of what's coming next because that running event, whatever restrictions that they had on people <laughs> can't post this stuff on YouTube until we like let you like. Yeah. I think a lot of people say, like, screw that. I'm not doing that. Especially people that coming way. from other countries who are like, that's not a rule in my country. I'm yeah. going to let this go. Exactly. I was talking to some, some shoe reviewers about that. They're like, I'm not allowed to post some of this stuff. But, like, I see, like, people abroad posting it. Oh, and people yeah. are like, hey, you were there. How come you're not telling me about that? The Saucony Canvara Pro, which yeah. <laughs> looks like the craziest shoe of all time. That looks like that's what it, one of the shoes I was going to bring up. That looks like an insane shoe. I'm, I don't I don't have any plans at the moment to get that shoe, but if I get it, I'll definitely try it. Another shoe, a shoe that I'm kind of nervous about is the second version of the Super Comp Trainer because they lowered the stack. I saw that. And I don't know if I want that. I don't know if that's something that I like. Like, why just leave it alone? <laughs> but I don't know. I like, guess, I guess, I'm trying to think, like, why would you do that? I guess on yeah. one level, it has to be like, all right, so maybe the fuel cell got a touch firmer? Maybe it's more durable now? It's possible. I There's no, like, maybe they think that it would be, if, if they lower the stack, that more people would want to, like, race marathons in it, perhaps? I don't know what the logic is. You could very well be right, but I'm a little nervous about it. But they didn't lower below the 40 millimeter threshold. No, they didn't, but I think like maybe some people are put off by it being like as as much stack as there is. 
I'm not sure. I'm just totally speculating, but that's a shoe that I'm curious about, but also kind of nervous about. Um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of other shoes that I've seen from like, I mean, mostly I've just watched like the Believe in the Run videos that they've put out, which I always do every year. It's like my little thing I do. (laughs) And Alex Alex Fitty has a bunch of good shoes. Yes. Yeah. A lot lot of good content from the running event. Great YouTuber. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to think of other running shoes. I'll I'll, I'll bring one up because for a long time, there were only two kinds of uppers. Like uh-huh. Yeah. I was always like, how do you know? Like, how do I talk about this upper? Like, it's really simple. It's a knit yeah. upper, or it's, or it's an engineered mesh upper. Yes. One <laughs> so of the two. True. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, I think one shoe that I think kind of not 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 wasn't covered, but I think it was covered for different reasons was the Primex Strung. Just the midsole is still so unique in mm-hmm. the configuration of the, of the of the of the energy rods were so unique that the upper was kind of papered over in a way in terms of some of the reviews, not for everybody, but I think for yeah. the general public. Whereas like the Primax Strung, that upper seems to be like a complete game changer mm-hmm. for people, right? I think yeah. I think above even the Believe in the Run people, uh, I think Thomas like could not, I think, remember him talking about the first Primax. Like he's like, I can only run eight miles in this shoe. I, it was over, yeah. I couldn't run anymore. Wow. He loved the Primax Strung. Ed Bud from over in London, like yeah. it's his favorite shoe of all time. Oh my gosh, Is the Primax really? Strung? Wow. I'm surprised. Like, I, I haven't tried it, so I'm, yeah. I'm very interested. I can't believe that. It looks like a bird's nest. Yeah, it does. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, all right, this is something that's not one of the two engineered mesh or a knit upper. It's this something different. And if it's light enough mm-hmm. and useful enough to be on top of 50 millimeters of Light Strike Pro, wow. then it certainly is useful enough for basically every other shoe on earth. So that had me like, okay, I guess that's like the next thing, right? Like what? Wh- how are these uppers going yeah. to shift? Because the knit uppers are, you know what you got, right? The engineered mesh is great because it's like, it, you know, it, it can maybe, you know, whatever. The, oh, the knit upper can, can you know, it, it is what it is. It can mold to your foot, but it's inherently unstable. And if it's mm-hmm. just one big booty, then it's yeah. going to fit like 5% of the population. Right. The engineered mesh is fine. It's just not as comfortable. And then sometimes you can like throw some liner on the inside, but then that stays wet. And then exactly. wait. All of a sudden yeah. you have this third option, which is, I think, really intriguing. Well, I think now you kind of made me think of this point, like, all of these foams are just moving forward so much and there's so much innovation, but the uppers have kind of like, they're kind of just staying a little bit stagnant. But now with this other shoe, this Adidas shoe, maybe the rest of the brands and the rest of the running shoe kind of community and technology and all that stuff will take a page out of Adidas's book here and kind of get with the program and start making their own sort of upper like this so that not just the foam is moving forward, but these uppers are moving forward also. So you get a complete shoe that's kind of innovated rather than just a midsole. Yeah, I think so. And especially like when you compare like, like I guess the other the other way you can describe the shoes is like whatever Adidas did for like 18 yeah. months with like the uh, Endorphin Pro, like the Seller Mesh uppers. I shouldn't say there's only two. Like the, there's some Seller Mesh uppers. There's some like... Mm. Some really odd, like harsh mesh that was yes. like on Takumi Sen. Which yes, is like, yes, yeah. I'm... All right, like I don't really know what this is, but it's funny because <laughs> you wonder how they take from other sports. Because like, 
we think about running shoes, often so all we're thinking about is running shoes. Sure. And I like if you go over to like say Dick's Sporting Goods and you like pop over to the basketball section. Yeah. And you pick up an Adidas shoe, it will say Light Strike on the outside, on the midsole, just like it does on say the Adidas shoe. Audio Seven. Right. However, it's a completely different foam. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> if you go pick up a Light Strike basketball shoe, the Light Strike foam basketball shoe, it feels like a super foam. It's super yeah, bouncy. Really? You can stick your thumb right into it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this, <laughs> this is not the same. This is inherently a completely different foam than, really? than the, the, like, the light. Shoe? The basketball shoe is more springy. Oh, it's not even close. Whoa. Not even close. What the heck's that about? Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. I'm like, can I run in this? Like, what's going You're on? Like, yeah, let me try a basketball shoe out. <laughs> I love, like, I love the Light Strike Pro. It's mm-hmm. one, I think that's my favorite phone. Yeah, great phone. However, the Light Strike is panned by everybody. It's like an EVA thing, and like, it's just, it's just so firm, and yeah. you have to break it in. But like, who wants to do that now? And even then, it's still firm. Right. So like, it fits a certain segment of the population. Not everybody, Lord knows. And, but you get like, again, you go over the basketball section, you're like, oh, Light Strike, let's pick this up. Who'd want to wear this for basketball? And you pick it up, you're like, oh, everybody. You're giving me a video idea. You're giving me a video idea of I should go to Dick's Sporting Goods and get an Adidas basketball shoe and then run five miles in it and see how it goes. (laughs) And then wear another Adidas shoe and see what feels better. Well, here's the thing with these basketball shoes, there's mid time, like, um, you know, you had high tops like in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And no one, and you were like the Chuck Taylor lows, but everyone wore high tops. And then mids, mids were like the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which was like a fake, it was like fake support. Like if you ever wore a mid, <laughs> you were like, oh, this will provide more ankle support. It didn't provide any ankle support. It came right. up halfway up the ankle bone, which means like it didn't stop the top of it from doing anything, mm-hmm. right? It was like this false sense of security. Right. So basically it was just inevitable that they're just going to go to lows. Like everyone, all the shoes yeah. now are just low tops. Oh. So the ankles, the ankle bone, whatever they call that. Uh, the calcaneus, I don't know, is is completely exposed, right? Sometimes the tongue goes up higher, but that right. ankle bone is completely exposed. So inherent, so really, Ooh. from a size up the foot and ankle perspective, it isn't different. Yeah, than a running so, shoe. <laughs> there you go. You need right. like Drew from Wear Testers to talk about this. Like, yeah, he, that's a great point. he would be good. That's he would, a great point. He should well, be. I mean, that's, yeah. that's where Under Armour came up with their like weird outsole for the Under Armour Flow. Yes. It's the same outsole that, that's in the bottom of Steph Curry shoe. Oh, wow. It's a slightly different rubber compound, but it's the same it, it's it, it's the same design. The one in Steph Curry shoe is a little bit more pronounced uh-huh. in terms of like the, the length of the rubber coming out of the outsole, but it's the same. It's pretty much the same design. Wow. Look at that. Who knew? Taking pages from the basketball shoe book. There you go. So if you want to move laterally in your running shoes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Perfect. There you go. Um, so what's on tap for your channel? I know you just put out your top five running shoes of 2022. Yeah. Do you know what's coming up in January? I have a couple. I don't know what's coming to me, um, but I have a couple shoes that I got to get to um, that I didn't from 2022. I got to finish up my full review of the Triumph Uh, that just came out and I have a couple ASIC shoes that I didn't get a chance to review. I have like the Metaspeed, uh, not Sky, uh, maybe the Edge. Yeah. I have one of the Metaspeeds that I need to get to. Once it was a shoe that I didn't like. I tried the previous version of the shoe. I really didn't like too much, but this one looks like it's going to be a little bit better. Maybe like a little bit cushier. 
So I'm excited to give that a shot. And honestly, I haven't really <laughs> planned out my 2023 20, yet so, so well. So I don't have a great answer for you, but I have a couple of things in the works that will be coming out soon. I love it. Oh, yeah. Everyone go check out Emily's YouTube channel. Obviously, it's in the show notes. I mentioned it in the intro, but just hit them up again just so they know so they can go there after they finish this episode. Yes. So um, I obviously am at Run Like Heller on YouTube and I have an Instagram handle. It is Run Like Heller and I have a Strava and it's Emily underscore Heller. I think that's it. <laughs> I love it. Emily, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.